So Money Episode 601, Joanne Bradford, Chief Marketing Officer of SoFi. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Raise your hand if you were a C student in high school. Well, this episode's for you. Welcome to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today is Joanne Bradford, Chief Marketing Officer of SoFi. And she's here talking very openly and honestly about her journey from being a so-so student, getting a lot of C's in high school, to ultimately climbing through the ranks of corporate America, now Chief Marketing Officer at SoFi. And for those of you who aren't familiar with SoFi, it's an online personal finance company. It provides people with student loan refinancing, mortgages, and personal loans. And I've actually had the co-founder, Dan Macklin, on this podcast episode 261. Now, Joanne, her role at SoFi is to oversee its consumer-facing functions. That includes marketing, business development, partnerships, member services. Before SoFi, she was at Pinterest, where she led global commercial and content partnerships. She's also been at Yahoo. She has been at the San Francisco Chronicle Business Week. She's also on the board of CARE, which provides aid to the poor around the world and is a founding advisor to Lean In. Get this, Joanne saves most of her money. She says she saves about 90% of her income and she lives at her parents' house. Here is Joanne Bradford. Joanne Bradford, welcome to So Money. It's really nice to reconnect with you. I don't think we've spoken in over a year and a half been an amazing year and a half for both of us. You've been at SoFi for almost two years. That's when we re- we connected as you were joining the company. Big fan of SoFi. We had the co-founder Dan Macklin on the show a while back. How do you enjoy working in a financial services company? This is sort of new for you. Before this, you were at Pinterest and Microsoft. So what do you think of this you know, financial world? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I like there's a few things. Um, decisions are uh, made on data. Um, and then there's the human element that you've got to put into it. Um, and then there's, you know, you've got to make some calls, some, some gut calls. And so I run a lot of the marketing initiatives and the brand initiatives. And as you know, our, our consumer base is very passionate about, you know, refining their student debt, about, you know, buying homes and getting to the next place. And so, um, you know, it's been pretty amazing to see the product market fit that we have and, and how excited they get about it. Actually, I get a better reaction to a SoFi t-shirt than I did a Pinterest t-shirt, um, which is always amazing because it was a good reaction to a Pinterest t-shirt when you wear one out. So I'm planning my son's birthday party and Pinterest is my rabbit hole. <laughs> yes, it is. It's really so amazing product. I wanted to have you on the show, not just because you're the COO of SoFi, which is a very um, relevant technology for our audience, but Really, Joanne, your history, your your trajectory as someone who has climbed the corporate ladder, you yourself call yourself someone who went from being a C student 
to the C-suite. I just finished watching your TED Talk. So I'd love to start there. I think that that climb is really inspirational. You were the only daughter in your family. Your family, I believe your mom was an immigrant. Maybe both parents were immigrants. So their version of the American dream was very different from how you ended up. So take us back to childhood a little bit. If we could start the story there, describe your upbringing and how eventually you landed where you are today. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is that, um, that I bought my parents' house and my youngest daughter just graduated from the same high school that I went to. Uh, she was lucky to have uh, straight A's and I, in fact, uh, barely graduated with, uh, with C's. Um, and really, um, you know, my father was a CFO at a, um, at a large um, you know, engineering company. Um, and my mother, uh, was raised as a latchkey kid. And the only thing that she wanted was to live in the suburbs and not work and take her children to, you know, to church and to CCD and to, um, not have to have the kids come home to no one. Um, you know, my idea of the, you know, living the dream was really to go out there and see the world um, to work, to challenge myself, to push myself. Um, I did not do well in high school at all. Um, I didn't find um, the topics that interesting. I didn't find um, how teachers taught that interesting. Um, and the school that I went to was if you were an A student and an athlete, it was one of the top schools in the state. If you weren't, they sort of put you aside. Um, and so what I did was I went to work. I got jobs. I worked at the dry cleaner. I worked at the pharmacy. Um, you know, I worked my entire time um, in high school because it made me feel confident. It gave me a sense of accomplishment. And I really enjoyed money. Uh, so, um, when it came time to go to college, really the only option I had, uh, was community college. So I went to, um, a community college for two years, um, and did fine there, not great. Uh, but then I went to San Diego state, um, and there I ran the college newspaper. I had, um, about 20 salespeople that worked for me. We made back in the day in 1986, um, about $800,000 in, um, ad sales. Um, on our little daily newspaper. Um, And I found that I was a good leader, a strong communicator, um, and really able to execute quite well. Um, And, you know, I was studying advertising journalism there. Um, So I really consider those years to be um, really important in my in my development. Um, And work was really sort of where I got my education. Um, And then I went to um, work at Macy's in the management program because it was either go, uh, you know, be recruited off campus. There were no jobs then to drive the Frito-Lay truck in their management program or to uh, go work at Macy's. And um, I went there and I spent two years there learning how to be a buyer. Um, bought swimsuits, which was very exciting, um, and uh, did that, And but really wanted to get back into advertising. And so um, ended up going to work for McGraw-Hill 
because they had a training program for um, advertising sales and sold for a trade publication called Engineering News Record, very glamorous. So I was the only woman and um, the next person closest to my age was twice my age. So a very uh, interesting situation um, and, you know, did really well there and then was recruited to work at Business Week. And they had a territory they wanted covered um, in Silicon Valley um, that nobody had gone to before. So I was lucky enough to get that territory because everybody, nobody understood it. And I went and sold ads to people like Cisco and Hewlett Packard and eventually Microsoft um, and spent about uh, 12, 13 years at, um, at Business Week and ended up being the head of sales and marketing there and um, was uh, going to move to New York to become the publisher. But then 9-11 happened and we decided we were going to stay in California. Um, so then I went to work at Microsoft. Um, and Microsoft, uh, the, my favorite story there is that I went for the interview um, and I bombed the interview and they said, hey, that was great, but you're not what we're looking for. Because I went in there like a salesperson and Microsoft is a you know, strategic critical thinking company, um, you know, asking you like why their manhole cover is round, how many people would sit in the stadium, you know, how would you think about this problem solving? So um, I called the um, gentleman that I interviewed with and I um, really begged him for a do over. Um, and I ended up uh, going back and being really well prepared um, and getting the job as the chief revenue officer at Microsoft. Can I stop right there and ask you what went yeah. wrong exactly? And do you, rec- do you recommend that for people who bomb interviews to actually ask for a do over? How often does that really work in real life? Well, yeah, I think that um, I think that you have to remember that that was uh, Google didn't exist at that point in time. So you couldn't really you couldn't really get a lot of information about, you know, how to interview at a company and a lot of history about the people that you were going to interview with. Um, And, you know, uh, so I didn't really. Um, know that many people that worked in uh, in Microsoft outside of just one or two marketing people. Um, and really what um, a company like that wants, and you know, there's tons of stuff written about interviewing at you know, Facebook and Google and technology companies um, and what they want, right? Like they're thinking for, they're looking for critical thinking, strategic thinking, you know, not, you know, salesmanship and execution. Um, so I had to really prove that I understood that. Um, um, and really, that was what I would say was my education for the time that I worked at Microsoft was really, you know, pushing myself um, on understanding, you know, strategy of business, market dynamics, um, you know, how, you know, whether it's build it by rent partner. Um, you know, we were uh, trying to build Google search uh, we were trying to compete with Google search then, um, you know, we made some strategic uh, missteps, but, um, you know, really understanding those decisions, because that's really what um, executives at companies have to grapple with every day is, are those strategic decisions. So what I, my, my advice for anybody is there's, you know, points in your life and your career where execution is highly valued. And then there's points as you move up the ladder where strategy um, and critical thinking is more highly valued. And I think you have to know what your audience is going into every one of those. And, and I, I misjudged on my first interview at Microsoft. I think part of your narrative too, Joanne, just listening to your story is extreme confidence. And just even going back to your days in school, I think 
I don't know. I just, I would think that any student who grows up uh, feeling that they're not academically smart, they keep, they're not, they're not doing as well in school as the other kids. That's enough to maybe make you lose your confidence, but it seems like you always had a voice inside of you telling you that you could be a leader or is that just my interpretation? <laughs> no, I, I think that there's, um, there, there is always that voice that, you know, I can, I can make some contribution, um, and I can, can participate. Um, and so, you know, I think work really gave that to me. Um, and I don't care what kind of work it is. I, I think that, um, you know, understanding everything from, you know, uh, shift management. If you work in the yogurt shop, why they need more people on Friday nights, um, to, you know, selling advertising to finding the right strategic account list, right? Like don't call on the person that's not spending. Um, you know, I've always been able to, um, suss those things out pretty well. Um, you know, and, and now I would say that, you know, most of my career, um, you know, I've received, um, very high reviews um, have been given um, much recognition. Um, when I was at Microsoft, I received the Chairman Award um, my second year from from Bill Gates, who's one of the top five employees in the company. Um, and you know, I, I've I've always excelled in my grades um, in school at work. Um, so I think it it comes to you know finding the right situation where you can apply yourself. And um, at work, I found it easier than in school. You mentioned in your TED talk that you save a lot, that saving is yep. a big part of your practice. 95% yep. of your income over the years, is that is that how is that possible? Well, um, so I was a salesperson for a long time and, um, you know, I was a very successful salesperson and I made um, quite a lot of commission. Um, and so my goal was to live off my salary and to save all of my commission. Um, so I was able to do that for for many years. And, you know, it really enabled me to do some things, you know, to buy a home, um, to save for my kids' college education, um, to be able to take greater risks in life. And, you know, if you're living on a salary, and I had a really good salary at that point in time, why not, right? Um, and there were years when I would take, you know, 10% of, of my commission and spend it on whatever I wanted. Um, but for the most part, I knew that, um, you know, commission can come and go. And so you should treat it like it's, uh, it, it's not really there and save it. I read that Jay Leno saved all of his Tonight Show money all these years oh. and just lived off of his, his show money, like his, his comedy act income. Yeah. His stand-up stand money because he feels like that's really his craft. Wow. Yeah. All right. You live in your parents' house. Um, yep. How did that come I about? Bought, I bought it. I bought my parents when they retired. Um, you know, they happen to live in a lovely, lived in a lovely suburb of San Francisco. Um, they happen to have a very nice house. Um, so I bought their house. Um, and did some renovations to it, was able to pay cash for those renovations. Um, and, you know, I still live in it. I have finally just, um, since my daughter graduated, bought a small um, place in San Francisco so I um, can cut down on my commute time after she leaves for school. Um, so, but, you know, my, my, you know, payments on my house were probably less than, 
um, you know, the dorm costs for college. So, which also helps with savings. Yeah, I was, I mean, that's really fascinating that as you've, you know, as your career has evolved, you become more successful, financially successful. Sounds like your insistence on savings has always been constant. Is there, is there anything that now you treat yourself to because of just how far you've come? How, how has your lifestyle maybe shifted? Where are you investing your money differently now than you were before? And I don't mean investing like in the stock market, but just investing in yourself, investing in resources. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few things that I um, spend money on. Um, we actually had a uh, we have some financial advisors here at SoFi, and um, I was talking to her, reviewing some uh, some plans that she had done for people, and she mentioned to someone, "Oh, you know, you said you wanted to travel, but you're spending you know 20 percent of your discretionary income on clothing and four percent on travel, so maybe you might want to switch that around." And I I laughed and. Um, we were going, I like to go through exactly what our members go through. So I went through the process with her and she was like, wow, you do spend money on travel. So I, I enjoy traveling. I take every, um, member of my family on their own trip and then a trip together, um, every year. Cause I think that's really helpful. Um, good one-on-one time. Um, I also spend, um, money on, you know, things like soul cycle and Pilates, uh, just because, I want to keep my fitness going and I've been known to buy um, a pair of shoes or a nice handbag on an occasion. As you deserve it. You had mentioned in your TED talk that money became your report card, the report card that mattered to you as you were, I guess, maybe putting a value on your work. Um, Explain that for us a little bit. I think that's really um, an interesting expression, money being your report card. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, there's several dimensions to that report card, right? It's how much you're paid at, in your job um, and, you know, how you're doing against the curve. I mean, who wouldn't want to be paid on a curve, right? Especially if you're at the top of it. Um, and then I always liked to see what my contribution to the company was um, and how much um, I could, how much value I could add to the company um, and then how much money I had, right? Because it's really about, you know, your freedom and your choices. And I've said, you know, I've been able to take, um, you know, from one job to the next, my salary has sometimes varied by 50% because I've been able to save that money and not been constrained by my spending commitments or anything else, um, which has served me really well. So I really always believe that you should look at your money and every aspect of it, from your salary to how well your company is doing. Um, we did a, a an event um, called Raise Week where we had people come and talk about, you know, how to get raises, how to think about raises. And someone said, well, my company is laying off people, um, and so I can't ask for a raise. And I said, well, if they're laying off, you know, if there's two of you and you each make $100,000 and they're laying off one person, they're going to save $100,000. You know, if they gave you $10,000 more to do those two jobs, they'd still be saving 90. So just because a company is going through cuts doesn't mean, you know, they actually may pay more for, you know, a higher valued employee at that point in time because of the situation. You know, the other thing is I said, look, you know, I have been in jobs where you are paid more to turn out the lights, right? Um, and it's not a very fun 
situation. Um, but, you know, I worked at Yahoo for a couple of years where um, I had to do a lot of expense cutting, um, you know, like in the hundred million dollar range. Um, and they paid me well for that. Um, and so, you know, people are compensated for, you know, for different things, for cost, for revenue generation, for growth. I happen to do, um, perform the best and enjoy it the most when I'm in a growth environment and growing a business um, and not really having to think about a, um, a cost constraint environment. Sticking to the topic of asking for a raise, do you have a personal anecdote of a time when you were negotiating compensation and you just did really well, or if not in that department, another way that you have, you feel there was a moment in time where you just really had a so money moment, as we say, you know, like all the financial stars aligned. Um, I've had, I've had a couple of them, um, and asking for a raise, um, you know, when, um, there was an opportunity where my, uh, direct boss, left the the job um and i was the um natural um candidate um and you know pretty much unanimously um people believed that i could do the job um my supervisors my peers uh you know it was it was, there wasn't really any question about it um and what they wanted to do was to have me take the job and then give me um the raise at a at a future date when I had proven myself. Um, and I was really adamant at that point in time that I would not accept that, um, that in fact, I needed the compensation, the validation, the title, and without those things that I would not take the job. Um, and it was a pretty big gamble um, and it paid off. And I would say that it was um, a, 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 really significant payoff validation and a little bit of a career changer from, um, you know, how I was viewed, um, from a peer set perspective and an external perspective. So, um, nerve wracking as it was, um, it was, uh, um, really rewarding. That was really the moment to ask for more. It's not in six months. And I was in a similar, although smaller scale negotiations, I was about to join a company and I wanted X and they said, you know, we'll give you X minus this, but in six months we'll review and maybe we can hit that mark. And I was like, there's no way that's going to actually happen. So we compromised, um, but knowing that, um, I said, why don't we just, why don't you just give me this much money that I want and I won't bother you in six months. <laughs> Yeah, right. This one, uh, you know what I mean? Right. And it doesn't, if they went and hired someone else, they would, they would pay that or do that. And so, you know, I think there are, there are very specific and important moments of leverage in life. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I think it's a shame to miss them. And I think most people don't realize um, what they are. On the flip side of it, you know, I've had, new managers come in and want to give all their employees raises because they feel like, you know, it's unsettling for them. And that is a strategy I don't necessarily believe in because it's, it's sort of the easy strategy for the manager to say, Oh, you know, you know, Jane and Bob both need raises. Um, and you know, I want to be the hero. And it's like, well, that, that's, that's not really, um, a good strategy. So I, I think you have to take, pick your moments and, you know, if, if your work quality, um, and the results and the need of the company, um, align, then I, I, I think it's, it's, it, don't miss it. You are a founding advisor to lean in. 
as a female executive, what are some areas for improvement that you've seen amongst your female employees? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's as funny as it sounds, um, you know, people actually sitting at the table now is um, is very accepted and and much more standard operating procedure. Um, Now it's really speaking up. Um, So, you know, I I think it's sort of lean in and then and stand up. And I think it's really, you know, challenging, um, you know, and and taking on more responsibility. One of the things in SoFi is we have um, several women that um, run our capital markets efforts, which is really, you know, a, a great because it's a it's a pretty male dominated uh, business. Um, we have a, a female as head of engineering here, and um, you know, I, I think that I was surprised at how. Um, diverse it is here, but uh, I, I and overall, I think people have made progress when they're given the right environment. Um, I still think there are many environments that are not conducive um, to supporting women um, in advancement, and so I would say, you know, make sure the environment has signals um, that you can actually lean in and stand up and then do it. What's a financial habit that you have, Joanne, something that you practice daily or it's habitual? Uh, well, I, you know, I check, um, you know, all of my um, credit card activity on apps on my phone um, and look at it and try to pace out my um, spending on a monthly basis. So, you know, uh, really a budget. One of the things that we've done, I've been married for, for 26 years. Um, we have two funny habits. Every year, I try on my wedding dress on my wedding anniversary to make sure it still fits because, you know, two pounds a year for 25 years would not be good. Uh, so Health um, is wealth. That's right. Very funny. The other thing that we have is um, we have uh, every dollar that we've spent as a married couple classified into budget categories and can go back and look at what we did bought spent in every category throughout our entire marriage. We don't, we used to keep a very tight budget on it. Now we have a little bit uh, more leeway, um, but we still really enjoy looking at it and saying, gosh, this seems a little out of control or this doesn't seem out of control. Um, so we do that. And I have a 18 year old and a 22 year old and they both um, do that as well, too. So it's just knowing where your money is going is uh, is a daily is a daily habit. Going back to your TED talk, something that stuck with me was that, you know, your mom, um, her hopes for you were simply to, you know, like she was like to be uh, living in the suburbs, raising a family, didn't really think very far out there as far as, you know, becoming a COO and being this amazing leader. And and sounds like you've accomplished both so much in both worlds, in both realms. Your personal life is, is sounds like um, there's a lot to be grateful for there and also in your career. And so as you reflect on that, how does that make you feel? That is, it, is the message that it is possible? Because I feel like many of us, there's trade-offs. It's our career at the price of not having maybe as much fulfillment in our personal lives. Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, I really enjoy work. Um, and, um, I, I really worked very hard at trying to make sure that 
um, my family um, and uh, um, and my kids and my job didn't um, suffer. I'll give you a good example. Um, you know, I uh, went to the code conference a few weeks ago. Um, I've gone for years. I was an independent board member for Kara Swisher on, on Recode and helped her sell that to Vox. Um, and so my daughter's trip this year was I took her to the code conference. Um, she's uh, just a year out of school. She works at, um, at VaynerMedia as an art director. Um, and uh, we went and spent, you know, three days listening to some of the tech luminaries talk. Well, it might not be the most fun thing in the whole world for her, right? Like it wasn't, you know, uh, a beach in Hawaii, but, you know, she got to meet Hillary Clinton and see her speak and, you know, see some of the leaders in the tech business speak and, you know, be inside of that environment. Um, you know, and I got to get my work done. Um, and, you know, we have a, a really great shared experience. And so I've really tried to do that when possible. Um, and I feel like it's, it's sort of tied the world together without being overbearing, right? Um, you know, there's got to be some discovery in it for them. And, you know, it was great to see, uh, you know, a 22-year-old's view of a, you know, really a, a VC-based um, conference. She really didn't understand why they gambled all their money on poker late at night, but... But certainly a memory she will... Certainly that's a memory she'll keep for, for forever. I mean, that's... Uh, and, yeah. and, and maybe it'll hit her one day. Sometimes you don't know right away. Yeah, no, it was interesting. You know, uh, we, um, you know, we went to, I helped Mary Meeker um, every once in a while and some, you know, feedback on her deck beforehand. And uh, I took, uh, I took my daughter to see Mary Meeker's talk. She got back to work and they were passing around her talk and her deck. And she's like, oh, wow, I was there. I totally get this. So, you know, it's, uh, it was, it was just, it was fun. We had a good time and she really enjoyed all the free stuff they give them in that swag bag. Oh yeah. Who doesn't like the swag bag? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, just before we let you go, thanks so much. First of all, Joanne, for coming on yeah. again. I'm just on the SoFi website right now. And I think when I uh, chatted with the co-founder, it was still in its infancy or had just sort of started to really roll out some newer products. And now I'm looking at it again. And even just in a matter of a year, there's seems like there's been so much more added in terms of product offerings. It's kind of like a one-stop shop now for all your financial needs, wealth management, life insurance, student loan refinancing. Uh, is that the goal is sort of to become this one-stop shop? Yeah. I mean, the goal is that, you know, the people that are ambitious and career-oriented um, are not really served by um, any financial institution. And so we have community events that are networking events. We have, um, you know, uh, career counseling um, for people that want to change jobs and industries, because that's always a, a usually a, a money maker, or game changer. And, you know, it all started with student loan refi, but, you know, I, I, it's the on wealth, you can, you know, do a SEP IRA, roll over your 401k, do all those things, which are really important to people. And, and so we're trying to educate people and build a full product suite. You know, we've really gone from, in the time I've been here, from really one focused product, which was student loan refinancing, into personal loans, 
mortgages, which are 10% down, wealth management, which is, you know, the lowest cost management structure you'll find on an actively uh, managed um, account. And then, um, you know, the insurance product. And, you know, we're, we have plans to, uh, you know, uh, move into, um, you know, deposit and debit card accounts. Um, and so we have a very big aspiration to, to really be a very different kind of financial institution that is really partnered with people um, and is super transparent about how we do everything and everything can be done on the mobile device and we'll, we won't have branches um, because nobody likes to go to their, their branch. Um, and so we're, we're really trying to live true to that mission in, in everything that we do and it's, it's fun and exciting and um, you know I never, I never thought that I would end up at a financial services company. Um, and calling it fun so. and exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. It's really, you know, it's, it's, you know, we get letters every day from people. We had a really uh, beautiful letter from a woman the other day that, you know, she went to college. She ended up with $150,000 in student loan debt and worked two jobs, ended up wanting to be a uh, work at a large tech company in Seattle. Um, one of their benefits was SoFi refi for student loans. She refied. Um, she was in a bad marriage because of the savings. She was able to move out and get her own apartment. With that confidence, then she was able to, um, you know, take on more work. Um, and she like literally wrote me a letter that can she volunteer um, to work at our events and to do things for us because of what a game changer it was in her life. And we get those kinds of letters every day, you know, like you forget, you know, putting money back in someone's pocket is mm -hmm. really a vote of confidence. And so, you know, people really feel um, pretty empowered when they can take any sort of control over their financial life, especially when it's when it's debt or, or things that come up and, um, you know, and it really, they have to believe in themselves more than anything. So, you know, we're a little bit, I consider us to be more of a athletic empowerment brand in our, in our mindset than we are a financial institution, right? Like we want people to, you know, get there sooner to feel great, um, and to, to move ahead. So we see those stories every day and it, it keeps us really motivated. Change your finances, you change your life. That's right. The bottom line. Yeah. Joanne, yeah. thank yeah. you so much again. Really enjoyed the conversation and thanks for being so open and honest about everything from C student to the C suite. Quite a journey, very inspirational. And we thank you. Yeah, great. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks so much to Joanne for stopping by. SoFi's website is SoFi, S-O-F-I.com. And she is on Twitter at SFJoanne. Or you can also follow SoFi on Twitter at SoFi. All this information and more back at SoMoneyPodcast.com where you can drop me a question for the Friday episodes or leave me a voicemail for the Friday episodes. Make sure to come back here on Friday when we have a special Ask Farnoosh episode with co-host Leah Gervais. She is the founder of Urban20something.com. If you're looking to find a side hustle, Leah's your gal. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. So money.